Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello. You're listening to week 38 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. Now, we've seen a grand total of three movies this week after going out of our way to see all of them. Uh, Something we attempt to do every single week. That we have. Our first review this week is The Day Shall Come. Director Chris Morris returns with this satirical crime drama slash comedy starring Marchant Davis, Anna Kendrick, Danielle Brooks and Dennis O'Hare. And Lee returns to the big screen with Gemini Man. It's starring Will Smith. Will Smith. Will Smith, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Clive Owen and Benedict Wong. And we'll be rounding the show off with DreamWorks' latest animation, Abominable, starring Chloe Bennett, Albert Tsai, Tenzig Norgay Trainer, and Eddie Izzard. Well, it's another stimulating show for our listeners. David, how stimulated are you? I am very stimulated. I have a can of Monster in front of me. I am in the process of, uh, our listeners will probably be bored of hearing this, trying to quit caffeine. My work colleagues are still pouring my drinks down the sink but I continue to purchase them. If you want to make a good bit of financial investment, invest your money in Monster Energy. The amount of Monster Energy I buy, their stock value can only go up. (laughs) Unless I stop drinking it and then it will suddenly crash and they'll probably go into liquidation. Do you have a a preference in terms of of drink that you buy? Because obviously you've got there's Red Bull, Monster, Mm. and then there's the other non-branded Tesco value. I find if I have Red Bull, the crash is much worse. Whereas I find Monsters are more steady buzz whereas Mm. Red Bull does give you wings and then a couple of hours later removes those wings and you just fall flat on your face Uh, and it's quite Uh, painful no no, yeah I generally if I ever have a Red Bull it'll be a a sugar free one yeah thinking that that's more healthier for me Mm. they're they're not not healthy at all they're not and you didn't sleep last night you messaged me saying you got to sleep about 5am because you had a coffee at 9pm yeah I I found myself drinking a lot Mm. of coffee recently and I don't know why I've I've literally bought instant coffee I've got I'd never buy instant coffee and now when I go to Starbucks uh, I will be buying well I buy lattes Mm. with, with a hazelnut shot in it every single time now usually i have like a mint blend tea bag normally you have yeah which is just pointless why is that pointless? Um, still Delicious. been going to the gym my friend and co-worker james williamson has been destroying me in the gym we did legs i can't remember if i mentioned this on last week's show sorry your um your your what my friend and co-worker has been doing what to you destroy what did i say destroying you. yeah in the gym yeah with workouts um we did legs last week and it was so bad i could barely walk afterwards uh, i walked to work the following day and it looked like i'd soiled myself it was most unfortunate but i am getting healthier and muscly mus- more muscular more muscular more of tom's chili anyway let's kick off the show in our usual way I'm not talking about my caffeine addiction and terrible antics at the gym but with the box office rundown This is the Box Office Rundown, brought to you by Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. Yes, that's right, it's our Box Office Rundown for the weekend of the 11th to the 13th. 
2019. David, kick us off at number 10, please. So at number 10, we have Ad Astra starring Brad Pitt and Tommy Lee Jones. Both me and Craig have seen this. We have reviewed it. Um, I liked it a lot more than Craig did, but it does have its problems. And one of the problems it has is pace. uh, And that has shown in the box office numbers. It hasn't done great in the box office. It's been there for four weeks. Probably won't be there next week. A little bit more than pace is the problem as well. I think it, it, it lacks in story in some regards. I know a lot of people have said that it's, it's it's a small drama unfolding on a big, you know, canvas. And well, it's a it's a story about a father and son's relationship, but they've managed to drag it literally across the cosmos. Yes, and they've um. and, <laughs> exactly and elongating the story out yeah, when really quite literally, truly, yeah. yeah, and really and truly, um, the the fate of the Earth is is lost within yeah. within the film, and that's very unfortunate. Uh, in at number nine, we have the Lion King. Uh, we've said our views on this multiple, 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 multiple times. Uh, even give David giving no, that was Toy Story, wasn't it? You gave your uh, your ideas My for the future for the predictions. Sequel. Yeah, yeah, maybe there could be a, a future prediction for the Lion King. No. Too. Well, The Lion King 2, the animated version, was very disappointing. The one thing I will say about this Lion King, it's taken £73.4 million at the box office. It's been there for 13 weeks. Whether you like the film or not, it has been a big success for all those involved. Uh, It's made them a lot of money indeed. Smashing that box office. Um, Above that, at number eight, we have The Day Shall Come. We will say nothing about that because we are reviewing it on today's show. We are indeed. Uh, In at number seven, we have uh, The Metropolitan Opera Live. Uh, It was a live broadcast in cinemas. Of Puccini Torando, if I get that right in my lovely Italian accent. Uh, this was, a, I think, pretty much a one-day-only thingy-majiggy, uh, and uh, it stung, you know, it took £200,000 on the weekend, which isn't it's bad. It's safe to say, unfortunately, we will not be seeing that and or reviewing it. Uh, we have missed that opportunity. Yeah, it was live. And technically, it was not a film, so we haven't had to go out of our way to see it because it was... in fundamentally live opera which would have been quite nice actually I've I've never been to the opera we we should have to do it Um, in at number six we have Hustlers Um, that's been in the box office for five weeks look Jennifer Lopez uh, was brilliant in this film there's a lot of Oscar buzz Uh, it's got really good critical reception both me and Craig saw it we didn't think it was as good as a lot of people have made it out to be Um, but Constance Wu was also in it and I thought her performance was very compelling Um, deserves to be in the box office uh, but I think the Oscar buzz may um, die down on this film. I, I, I think there was a bit too much hype around it for me personally. Yeah, it was very early ga- uh, games, very early days for uh, for that, unfortunately. And I think, yeah, it's, it's going to die down very quickly for that. In at number five, we have Downton Abbey. Uh, it's been in the box office for five weeks. Uh, it's, a, it's basically an elongated mm. TV episode. Uh, and if you haven't seen the TV show at all, uh, you will become very accustomed to who the characters are and you will grow to like it and enjoy it. Um, but it, yeah, it is just a TV episode, and um, yeah, I reckon maybe some more TV shows coming in the future. The one thing I will say about Downton, Craig, spot on. I've I've not seen any of the episodes, but instantly I knew the characters. I knew who they were. I knew all of their backgrounds. So it did that very very well. It's taken twenty four point eight million pounds at the box office. That's a significantly good amount of money, which means, like Craig said, there's options for more films or more series. The way the film uh, was left, I think there's plenty more to come from the Downton Abbey universe. Uh, above that, at number four, we have Judy. Um, Renee Zellweger gives a compelling performance in a film that I felt was a little bit flawed overall. Craig disagreed. He really, really enjoyed it. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it's good to have that that uh, you know different in of opinion. Uh, is that even a word? No, it's not. No difference of opinion. Difference of opinion of an opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's late. I've had a lot of coffee. I'm highly stimulated, but yet my words will not come out. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, Judy, I thought was a, a fantastic movie. It, Renée Zellweger, as you said, is is phenomenal in it, and I think she is going to be nominated. Could she win? It's possible. Uh, I think she deserves to win Best Actress at the Oscars, but we will be talking about that. Later on in this month, I'm hoping. Yes, uh, so our Road to the Oscars special will be coming out um, around the end of October, early November, and we will be touching upon Best Actress in that show. Above it, at number three, we have Gemini Man, starring Will Smith, Will Smith and Will Smith. It's been out for one weekend, um, and it comes in at number three, and we will say nothing about that because we will be reviewing it on today's show. Yep, uh, in at number two, we have Abominable. Uh, this uh, has been in the box office just for one week. It's taken 2.1 million pounds and uh yeah we're going to be reviewing this one on this week's show as well so we won't say anything else david and at the top of the pile we have joker it took 9.8 million pounds at the weekend it's grossed over 30 million in the uk so far it's grossed over 600 million dollars globally um it has been an absolute box office phenomenon um i don't think since doing the podcast i've seen such hype about a film and then for it to live up to the hype um so many people calling this a masterpiece uh, one of the best films of the last decade and i couldn't agree more i've seen it for three times now went to see it with my dad in imax um he really enjoyed it but the imax experience was brilliant um that it was more vivid the, the sound was clearer i'd seen it twice before in a regular screen and i and it really enhanced the imax experience because i knew the film and it really did prove that imax is really worth that extra bit of money look i think the joker is one of the best films of the last 10 years um if there's any justice in the world, it should be nominated for multiple Oscars. Uh, and Joaquin Phoenix is the one to beat in the Best Actor category. I thought he was sensational. If you haven't seen Joker, I demand that you go and see it. It really <laughs> is a, a majestic piece of filmmaking. Yeah, no, you are right. It is It is a really, really, really good movie. And the first time that I saw it, I... Was uh, intoxicated? No, I mean, I had a couple of beers, but I think that's okay. Therefore intoxicated? No, I mean, I wasn't drunk. Lightweight. <laughs> Shut up. Um, <laughs> I saw it in the IMAX and I thought the cinematography was fantastic. I thought mm. Joaquin Phoenix's performance was really, really spectacular. Mm. But what let it down in some respects was some of the elements that went with the story. I think a lot of people who were disappointed with it have seen it again. Me, I saw it again. Uh, and I thought that on the second watch, I got a lot more out yeah. of it. Um, I, I, I picked up on a, a few more of the nuances of, of the story a bit more, the mental health side of stuff a bit more, yeah. you know, and... You know, you do end up getting yourself hung up the first time round if you are a bit of a comic book fan about this being your Joker or the Joker, and and he isn't the Joker. He isn't the Joker until the at least the very end of the film. I'm a bit disappointed what Todd Phillips has come out as saying that this might not be the Joker. That this is a potentially a, a Joker to influence the Joker, the nemesis to Batman. Um, that's actually really disappointing to hear. I think that's a bit of a cop out thing to say. Um, I also think yeah. it could potentially be nonsense. I mean, the, the amount of things that have been said about this film, various different theories, 
the all press is good press for this film and the more people talk about is it the joker what kind of joker is it is this the origin of the real joker did this inspire another joker brilliant they yeah, love oh, that i mean i think yeah you know if people are speculating mm. that's fine but for the director to come out and say yeah. that is disappointing he has a vision for the film he shouldn't be alluding in yeah, that sense true. to that sort of direction or to that extent at but, least and then one thing i really did realize i mean i'd i'd, I'd clocked onto the mental health side of things the first time round but the third one Watch. This is a really heavy film and a really hard-hitting film and so ambitious and outrageous. Um, you know, we could talk about it for hours and we will touch upon it and the performances in it in our Oscars special. But the Joker is at the top of the box office, having grossed over $600 million globally. So let's give you the full box office rundown. At number nine is Ad Astra. No, sorry. At number 10 is Ad Astra. <laughs> nine is The Lion King. Eight, The Day Shall Come. Seven, Puccini Torando. Six, Hustlers. Five, Downton Abbey. Four, Judy. Three, Gemini Man. Two, Abominable. And at the top of the pile, a film you must, must see. It is the miraculous um, Joker. It's now time for the first movie on week 38, and it's called The Day Shall Come. Now, this movie is based, and I put this in quotations, uh, on 100 true stories, which puts this uh, film into perspective uh, with the satire nature of this very movie. Uh, Now, Moses, a preacher, is a leader of an army of four black men, and they are frustrated and angered by the racial disparity that they are living within. Uh, Together, they speak of a race war to overturn the accidental dominance of the white people. However, they have no money. They're about to be evicted. Moses has some serious mental health issues and by being off his medication results in a slew of delusions such as God talks to him through a duck that a number of dinosaurs will come to their aid if and he can use his mind to bring down a crane. All this while the <laughs> FBI are looking for their next organisation to bring down. And it just so happens this one is on their radar. Let's take a listen to a clip. Jesus. What's up? Nobu run out of starfish? No. It's reached the Oval Office. Clay has caused Homeland Security to declare a nuclear emergency on your empty canisters. Well, he's having some kind of breakdown. Ugh. All right, we're taking over. Whoa. Right, okay, what do you need from me, sir? Right, well, we know this emergency is groundless. Correct. But the emergency exists. Right. And you can't take control of something if you're saying it doesn't exist. Okay. So we have to acknowledge that the emergency exists. Uh, yeah. Well, n- no, sorry. If we say, yes, it exists, isn't that the same as declaring a nuclear emergency ourselves? Uh, technically, yourself, but yeah. So, to stop a nuclear emergency, I have to declare a nuclear emergency? Yes. The logic only works if you say it slowly. Keep the contradictory elements apart. Well, I would look insane. Only if you say it fast. And also, you already looked insane when you met me at the parking lot. So, you're just going to throw her under the bus? No. I would never do that to an agent. She has to do it herself. And the alternative is dancing in the wood chipper. But then this stops. If you tell me to go chicken little, I have control over the cops, over everything. Then I guess we have a nuclear emergency. Good play, agent. I'm calling in a full arm response. I hope her record will reflect the bravery, not the foolishness of what she just said. So that was a clip from The Day Shall Come. Uh, This movie is directed by Chris Morris, uh, best known for... 
Four Lions, uh, which was a brilliant, brilliant movie. One of my favourite comedy films of the last 10 years. I think it's absolutely genius. The The subject matter and the way it handles it is just incredible because it has such potential to be hilariously unfunny mm. and so catastrophically bad a bit like Holmes and Watson that bad it could really be a bad film but it isn't it's a piece of comedy genius and I think this follows suit in, mm. in, in a lot of ways now this is such a massive satire yeah it's bizarre it's, it's bizarre it's, it's really really strange um, mm. but what it says for its social and political commentary is very very intriguing yep uh, you know, on the back of the Joker as well, mm. which it has some very tangible similarities with. Uh, first of all, the mental health issues. Now, I did obviously mention that at the beginning of the introduction. Uh, our main protagonist does have some some mental health issues, and by not taking his medication, he mm. ends up seeing things that he that aren't there. There's there's a lot of delusions, mm. um, and from that, it's hilarious. It's mm. very very funny, but at the same time, very ups- upsetting in some ways because it's it's clear that this is a man that is suffering from some sort of delusional psychosis. Exactly. Yes, and and, and with that in mind, it really brings this film to a very sobering mm. and and uh, you know. Uh, the, the gravitas of what, what yep. Chris is trying to say with this movie. But throughout the entire movie, it it just sort of plays out in this most ridiculous mm. way you could possibly ever ever think of, really. Um, Moses is played by uh, Marchant Davis, and his performance was, was very straight, yet incredibly funny yeah. and very well done and he's a he's a relatively newcomer to mm. to movies he's done one over movie which is out this year or has been out this year um and for somebody of that yeah. stature to have one other movie under his belt wow it takes a very talented actor to play the straight funny man to play the man that's very serious and believes in what he's doing but at the same time is totally ridiculous um so that straight comedy that he plays is is very very effective i thought he was you know he really carried the lead role very very well mm. and it's the humor that really carries this film but then reinforces as i said the gravity of of what it is that chris is trying mm. to say with this film it's you know, it's not long, and it's no, it's not. It's, it flew by actually. It, yeah, it really did, and I think the length of this movie is perfect for anybody who wants to go and see something that has humour in it, but mm. at the same time has a message, and it really does have a message. Um, for me, I I thoroughly, thoroughly did enjoy this movie, but there was something else lacking with it and i don't know what it was i'm not i can't quite put my finger on it i mean it was totally absurd it was one of the strangest things they said god talking to him through a duck uh, there was there was a horse uh, there was cranes collapsing using mind power um, or apparent mind power um various sort of it was very culty yeah um, and it was just it had all the ingredients to be one of the worst films of the year. Like, it could have been so, so bad. And I went into this film thinking, having seen the trailer, which I wasn't very impressed by, thinking this could be one of the worst films of the year. It could it could try and do what Four Lions did and get it completely wrong. But it doesn't. It's absurd, yet it's anchored in heavy and potent real-world themes. And the funniest thing about this is the, the FBI in this film are going out of their way to lure anti-American groups, anti-American groups, into acts of terrorism to stop them becoming terrorists. So they've got this anti-American black power group that they then, the FBI sort of get on their um, radar and because they have statistics of the amount of terrorists they need to bring down and they need to show the American people that they're winning the war on terror, they they basically supply this group with terrorist 
weaponry um, <laughs> or situations or situations to then catch them in the act it's like the minority report yeah capturing them or predicting the the, the things that's going to happen yeah. before it happens but even before they even have the notion to carry mm. out what it is that they think they're going to do so it becomes it's a bit of a pantomime production it's a bit of a farce like you heard in that clip they have to declare a nuclear emergency so they can take action even though there isn't a nuclear emergency things unravel it gets it's very slapstick it gets more and more out of control yet underneath it and particularly the end scenes as well like he does in four lions where you've got that um incredible scene where he talks about going upstairs where he meets his wife in the hospital and mm. he's talking about an act of terror he's about to commit what we have is moments that really bring us back to to ground and we have themes of racism uh, it touches upon gun laws in america uh, and it also touches upon not police brutality but the way the police view uh, a black person as opposed to a white person in a dangerous situation and it gives a very interesting commentary there was on that. a quote within there if i rightfully remember i'm going to try and get this right i know what it's going to be yeah so there's a, a who, who's more likely to have the gun the white man without the gun or the black man without the gun and it's it's yeah it's who, the black man it, it's it's who's what? more likely to have the gun the unarmed black man or the unarmed white man uh the unarmed black man of course it's utterly ludicrous and but that that works because you have all of that comedy that's a funny line but underneath it's saying yeah, let's actually make a comment about the number of unarmed black people that are being shot in America, yeah. and it is terrible. Yeah, you know, and, it, and you don't have to go out of your way to see videos on it of it on YouTube. You don't have to go out of your way to see news reports of innocent unarmed black men and women um, being killed by police. Mm. Uh, Anna Kendrick is, is in this film as well. Uh, she plays uh, the F- an FBI agent, and you heard her within the clip. She mm. she haphazardly uh, brings them this this sort of the next 911 yeah. and I have that in quotations in my uh uh notes because that is basically what they're looking for yeah. they they want to find the next 911 and bring them down before anything's actually been planned yeah. so they're basically giving these people the 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 task to do this this yeah. thing that's not even going to happen um but you know you know they they you know the the group that they are trying to set up they mm. they are more like you know, they opt for toy guns. You know, yeah. they worship Black Santa. It's, it's <laughs> absurd. It's true, it's madness. It is farcical in nature, but it's mm. so sobering in truth um, that it just sort of brings it all back to ground. And, and you can see that it's grounded in truth as well because even though those lines, as we said, are humorous, uh, Morris he it's, um, has gone out of his way to to really do his research for this movie. He he, t- he talked to informers, he talked to lawyers, he talked to criminals, all about mm. the f- subject matter. And this is why at the beginning of this movie it states it's based on a hundred true stories because it is mm. true. Everything that he's put in here is more or less true, um, and and that is what makes this film work so well. And I think I think we're done unless yeah. you have anything else. to no, say. No, it's it's basically it's a portrait of counter-terrorism operations and also an an, an analysis good lord I started there an analysis of racial profiling throughout the whole film Um, the comedy is ludicrous but it's so ludicrous it it does work yeah it really does Uh, so David the day shall come is it worth it? oh um, it's a tough one I'm going to say 
yes. I'm going to say, look, it's quite short. Um, it is definitely worth seeing. Um, and I'm going to say, yeah, it's worth seeing in the cinema. It is actually a Film 4 production. So at some point it is going to be out on Film 4. Um, but if you liked Four Lions, I recommend going to see this in the cinema. It's short. It's funny. It's got a hard-hitting uh, commentary behind it. Yeah, worth seeing in the cinema. Yeah, I agree. I think this is definitely worth seeing in the cinema. Um, you know, it, it's something you could watch at home equally. But actually, I think this deserves to be seen in the cinema mm. because I think... Chris Morris has done a, a fantastic job uh, of making this movie and making it hard-hitting whilst retaining the ludicrous nature of the humour that comes with this mo- with this movie. Mm. Uh, and I think that's worth seeing in the cinema and, and giving that credit back to, to the director for what he's done here. Um, so yeah, we both believe that The Day Shall Come is worth it. And that was our review of The Day Shall Come. The Day Shall Come. Thanks, Grace. <laughs> So, the next film on this week's episode is Gemini Man. Uh, What is this film about? Well, Henry Brogan is an elite 51-year-old assassin who's ready to call it quits after completing his 72nd job. His plans get turned upside down when he becomes the target of a mysterious operative who can seemingly predict every single one of his moves. Uh, To his horror, though, Brogan soon learns that the man who's trying to kill him is a younger, faster, cloned version of him. Himself. Let's take a little listen to a clip. 25 years ago, your father took my blood and he cloned me. He made you from me. He chose me because there's never been anybody like me. And he knew one day I was going to get old and then you'd step in. He's been lying to you the whole time. He told you you were an orphan. And of all the people in the world to come after me, why would he send you? Because I'm the best. You are obviously not the best. So that was a clip from Gemini Man. Now, this movie is directed by Ang Lee. Uh, He brought us Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon in the year 2000, then Brokeback Mountain in 2005, and then subsequently after that, Life of Pi in 2012. Now, this is a director that likes to push the boundaries in terms of technology, and this movie is no different. Uh, This movie was made using cameras that could produce cinema moving images at 120 frames per second in 3D. Now, what does that mean? Well, basically, that means the images that you're seeing are playing back at 120 frames a second. Well, you're probably still thinking, what the hell does that mean? Well, most cinema movies play at 24 frames a second, and that gives you a very cinematic-looking image. We're very used to that, especially with Hollywood movies. Uh, The only other film to do a different kind of frame rate was The Hobbit, that did 48 frames a second, and that was actually received with really rather poor critically acclaim, basically. Um, The movie was all right, but the frame rate was very off-putting. This movie is no different, unfortunately. Uh, 120 frames uh, really does have too many sharp images in a second, essentially. So when this is playing back throughout the course of the movie and during the action sequences, it looks very uncinematic. Mm. The action sequences are well put together, but they are... They look bizarre. They it doesn't just it just doesn't look right at all because mm. 
when you're looking at that 24 frames a second in, in a, and during an action sequence, most notably, there's blur that happens between it. So when somebody lands a, pu- lands a punch, it looks like they land a punch. Uh, it has that bit of blur that g- g- goes on there. But with 120 frames a second, they really do have to land that punch. Mm. Now, Will Smith goes up against himself <laughs> in this movie. So he's fighting a CGI version of himself in some respects. And for him to then land those punches, it doesn't quite work. Um the CGI is done by Weta. Uh, Weta have done an all right job to begin with in this movie, uh, trying to make Will Smith look 23 years old. Um, but as we progress through the movie, the CGI does tend Seems to... to get worse. It does, doesn't it? And right near the end of the movie, it's, the, it's what, almost like they've blown the entire budget because the, the, the CGI is so bad. Yeah, the CGI in the last scene is noticeably poor. It's pretty woeful, really. It's dire, actually. Um. And I feel like the script on this movie was pretty dire. So Will Smith, throughout the course of the film, is battling against Mm. this script, trying to produce something from his back catalogue of acting throughout the years, trying to be the older Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and the younger Fresh Prince of Bel-Air whilst playing his younger self, and it just doesn't come off at all. I think Mary uh, Elizabeth Winstead uh, brings something quite fresh to the to the movie. I think she does her absolute best with trying to be that side character that kicks ass. Mm. Um, Benedict Wong brings something even better to the movie. I think <laughs> as a side character as well. Yeah, he's um, good. I I would have loved to have seen him play the Will Smith part, and I did see something online uh, on Twitter that I found really quite funny, and I think it was something along the lines of. No matter if Benedict Wong Wong played the part of Will Smith's character, two Wongs wouldn't have made this film right. And it's definitely true. (laughs) It's 100% true. Nothing really could have saved this movie. And I think you want to do something, eh? Yes. There it is. There it is. Not had on the show for a while. It's the trumpet. The trumpet is out. I'm afraid the trumpet is out. Um, firstly, I've got to say, Craig, I think you've hit the nail on the head. But the reason I've played the trumpet for this film is I thought it was an utter disaster. Um, let's forget the 120 frames per second. Parts of the film in 3D, I saw this in 3D, it, it worked. The colours were so vivid. The image was so real. For for some maybe 20-30% of the film, you could see, yeah, this has potential. But for the ac- action sequences, it was so distracting, it almost looked like they'd taken regular action footage and sp- sped it up. But like you said, because it was that 120 frames per second, there wasn't that c- cinematic element to it, and it really didn't work. But that isn't the problem with this film. This film could have been shot in 24 frames per second, and it would have still been terrible. The script is dire. The script is written by a toddler. It's so, so bad. And you can see Will Smith not only physically fighting himself on screen, but battling with this script, trying to bring life into it. It's almost like he's trying to resuscitate a dead... CPR yeah, he's, on the script. He's carrying out CPR throughout the whole film. But instead, he's prov- doing the Heineck manoeuvre on the script yeah. the entire time. Yeah, it, 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 the script is clunky, it's uneven, it's illogical, and the plot itself just stinks. Mm. You've got this incredible assassin that's carried out 70 odd hits in his life suddenly he he comes out with this piece of dialogue i can no longer look at myself in the mirror you know that real oh here we go the assassin that can no longer live with himself and now he's going to retire 
Who's going who's gonna to come and clear this loose end up? Well, it can only be Will Smith. So you've got Will Smith. And what made me laugh is the poster actually has Will Smith on one side and then on the other side, this younger CGI Will Smith. Yeah, which gives it away quite quickly, doesn't it? That but but the trailer be... gives it away. But well, the trailer gives it away as well. Yes, but you're right. But th- th- do you not think that this might have actually been a little bit better if they didn't give that yes. away? So much better. Well... A little bit better. I mean, it would have been better if I had have gone into the film not knowing that it was going to be Will Smith versus Will Smith. Because I assumed, ah, oh, look, the trailer's given a fair amount away here. A younger cloned Will Smith is going to come back and kill the older Will Smith. That's quite an interesting plot. But there's obviously going to be twists and turns and subplots and there's going to be drama and dramatic twists. No twists, no drama. It literally mm. is exactly what you see is... Uh, what you get. It's a, it's a very muddled film. The characters are wafer thin um, and there's some laughable moments in this film but you're not supposed to laugh. Mm. Some Something's stinky about this film and off and it deserves the trumpet. It was really, really disappointing and then the ending was cringy because like you said it was almost like they'd completely blown their budget and the, the CGI Will Smith that we'd seen throughout the whole film in this last scene he's almost robotic he doesn't but look, it was his face it, it was, was his face wrong. looked rubbery and just nothing like the rest of it I just wonder if they'd run out of money and yeah. also look I don't like coming on this podcast and criticising directors and actors. Will Smith, I think he's a fantastic actor. He's been in a number of brilliant films. Uh, Ang Lee, I thought Life of Pi was, uh, in, at times, a visionary masterpiece. Brokeback Mountain was a fantastic film with some brilliant acting in it. But this is all wrong. Uh, and Clive Owen is just terrible. I mean, the last film that we saw Clive Owen in was pretty terrible as yeah. well. Well, not the film, but actually his performance. He's The last two films now that we've seen him in, he's been pretty woeful. And Will Smith hasn't done any particularly brilliant films going back the last couple of years. I mean, Aladdin probably was his last best or mm. good performance. Uh, we had Bright, which was the Netflix uh, film. That was really, really bad. I mean, Pursuit of Happiness is probably Will Smith's most layered performance, although yeah. I think his performance is far better than the overall film itself what, what about the concept film with with it, it, afterlife um mm. was it afterlife sorry he, uh, after, seven. Uh, after earth sorry oh, after oh, earth, right. sorry yeah, yeah. with with will smith and his son Jaden was in mm. it as well it which was a bit ropey wasn't it? that was very very ropey as well and so you know he's not done the best but he's proven he's proven himself he's a, he is a proven actor but the last couple of years he's got to prove himself a bit more i think mm. i think he's this is you know well i tell you one thing that uh you'll find interesting it's slightly off off, uh, off on a tangent, uh, it, has, it has been confirmed by Barack Obama himself that when a film is made about Barack Obama becoming president, Will Smith will play him. Uh, uh, and I think that could work very, very well. And I can tell you now that if, if it's handled in the right way, that will be Will Smith's Oscar. It's got to be written by some very credible writers. Now, mm. this film was written by some fairly credible writers, David Beninoff being one of those who is the writer and producer of Game of Thrones. Mm. Now, Game of Thrones was fantastic up until that last season, and then they just decided to end it all because they were, you know, ben, the ben, uh, David Beninoff was going to go off, mm. so as the other show writer as well, to, to produce and write uh, a new, the next Star Wars sort of film set of films. And they sort of just left, they left Game of Thrones to just play out very quickly and it it ended very badly. Yeah. Um, I haven't and, seen and Game they, of Thrones, well, but I remember being at work and colleagues, all, all of my co-workers loved Game of Thrones and there was arguments daily about Game of Thrones and where it was going and, and they looked genuinely not only disappointed but quite angered well, yeah. with some of the characters' development and, and how the 
the whole series had quite an abrupt ending to it. it would yeah, feel. I mean, like with this one, David's now David Benavoff has now moved on to writing this, and he's done a pretty poor job of mm. doing this one. Uh, it's not just him; it's Billy Ray is another writer and director, uh, known for Shattered Glass and The Hunger Games and Captain Phillips as well. So you know, they're not bad writers. I am the captain now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> together they've not really written something very well here. Uh, I mean, this movie's been in production for a very long time. It's moved from studio to studio. It started off at Disney. It moved on to uh, Sony, and then it just fell in the hands of Skydance as well, and uh, which is where it finally uh, was made. Uh, Ang Lee wasn't always do- uh, attached to it. Will Smith wasn't always attached. There's been a slew of different mm. actors and, and things, and people have obviously passed up, uh, off the uh, opportunity of doing this movie, and for good reason, mm. I think, because the concept may have been fairly futuristic, good yeah. and futuristic, but they've just not combined mm. the elements together very well. The technology they thought was there for this movie. I'm not sure it is, uh, is it? You know, in the 90s, Disney thought the technology wasn't there, but I still don't think it's that. I think actually maybe it would have been there if they got rid of the 120 frames a second, to be honest with you. I me. mean, it could have been worse because from 2003 to 2010, Nicolas Cage was attached to the project. That would have been... Imagine Nicolas Cage. One Nicolas Cage is bad enough. Imagine two, two. Nicolas Cages just shouting at each other. Face off. Um, and actually, the original script was, was written for Clint Eastwood. And I could see Clint Eastwood, an old Clint Eastwood, yeah. and then a younger Clint Eastwood, because the younger Clint Eastwood was, was, was shit hard. Excuse my language. I mean, an older, an older Clint Eastwood is still great, but that could have worked. But no, this, in some ways, you've got to give the director credit for trying, but it is a spectacular failure, and it's proven with the the Rotten Tomato scores. It gets twenty five percent from the critics, which I think is a little bit generous, actually. For some reason, it gets an eighty four percent audience score. So the audiences are liking it, even though it's doing very badly at the box office. Eighty four percent of viewers enjoyed this film. I find that baffling yeah i find it baffling as well i mean the the plot is just baffling as well i mm. mean why would you send the cloned version of the person that you're trying to assassinate but then there's a there's a clip somewhere that i saw well i still obviously saw the movie but there was a clip as well going around <laughs> i hope so there's a clip going around of, of the same scene where he says you know um do you know who I am? And he was like, "Yes, I've seen a picture of you. You're old." But then he does. Then he's like, he goes back, doesn't he? And he's like, "Oh, I I realised who it is now." Yeah, it's you. You know, it's you. You've seen a picture of him. It's just bizarre. But it's it it's full of plot holes, dodgy physics. Um, it's it's just a bad film, and it is trumpet worthy. Um, and look, it's full of talented people, but you know, script is so important. And this has got a terrible script and it unravels because of it. And story as well. I mean, I saw this with Ranjit uh, and when we finished, we both looked at each other and went, what the hell did we just see? We literally were like, that was bad. And you know you've seen a bad film when you two of you turn to each other and literally say at the same time, what the hell was yeah. that? That was terrible. I, I went to see it on my own, but when I left, I often make a habit of, of leaving early and then just lingering outside the door on my phone. And a lot of people were coming out saying that was really disappointing. Spoke to someone that said it was the best film they'd ever seen. Does question what on earth they'd been watching for their whole entire life. If that was the best they'd ever seen, I wonder what other horrors they've watched. But I think we've covered most of the ground. Uh, Craig, Gemini Man, is it worth it? No. That's enough said. David, is it worth it? Absolutely not. Well, that's our review of Gemini Man. (laughs) 
It's now time for the final review on this week's show, and it's Abominable. Uh, So what is this film about? Well, after discovering a yeti on the roof of her apartment building, teenager Yi and her two friends embark on an epic quest to reunite the magical creature with his family. But to do so, they must stay one step ahead of a wealthy financier and the determined zoologist who wants to capture the beast for their own gain. Uh, Let's take a little listen to a clip from this movie. Hey, uh, what are you doing out here? Someone's gonna see you. Where did you get that? No, 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 no. Back now. Do you hear me? Let go. That does not make sense. Why would they take it to the roof? Oh, guys, what are you doing up here? Hey, get away from her. Okay, I'm calling the police. He's not dangerous. Look at him. He's a Yeti. Cool. What? No, Yetis don't exist. So that was a clip from Abominable where our protagonist Yi's friends and cousin, actually, I believe, stumble across the Yeti for the first time, which she has been looking after and very well hiding uh, on the roof of her apartment. Um, I'm going to kick off this review by saying I went into this film with really low expectations. I hadn't seen a trailer. Uh, I remember vaguely seeing a poster in the cinema. I thought, it's just going to be another DreamWorks, who are usually very good at making um, films, but it's going to be another average DreamWorks film, ideally for kids, that I'm going to go in, I'm going to come out and go, yeah, it was okay. I was blown away by this. I really, really, really enjoyed it. And I mean like one of my favourite films of the year so far. And that isn't me getting carried away. Um, I I thought the story was lovely, really, really engaging, uh, moved at a really nice pace, uh, had a really good script, uh, a beautiful soundtrack, and I just found the whole thing very, very engaging. Uh, there was loads of stuff in it for children. Um, so I, there was a few, obviously quite a few children in my um, screening, and the usual child humour got the laughs from the children. But there was loads of themes in it and humour in it for adults as well Mm. that I genuinely found really, really funny. It was heartfelt, warming, uh, really moving. And actually, I can't remember the last time I was in the cinema and I got choked up in a film. But this film choked me up. I think genuinely the last time I was in the cinema and got choked up by an animation film would have been Toy Story 3. How to Train a Dragon? Yeah, I mean, that choked me up a little bit, but not as much as this. I just really liked the characters. I really liked the Yeti. I liked the fact that the Yeti couldn't talk, but communicated with them so well. Mm. Like, we knew how the Yeti felt. Yeah, I mean, this Yeti was quite extraordinary. This Yeti had some uh, rather uh, uh, magical... Unique magical yeah, powers. Unique yeah, unique magical powers. Uh, it did. It does this strange humming thing. Mm. Like this... Mm. There we go, yeah. And, I thought well, that was quite a good impression. Yeah, yeah, well really done. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that, the, the Yeti then is able to, to carry out some rather spectacular things. Um, mm. But throughout the course of the film, it's Yi that really is the standout uh, performance from Chloe Bennett there. Uh, and this is, you know, every now and then the film sort of takes a step back and she, she plays his violin. Yeah. And I think those moments within the movie... Uh, and that part of the soundtrack was really quite beautiful and and actually added a lot Mm. more to the film. There were some certain scenes that I think uh, maybe took the film... uh, takes you out of the cinema a little bit. I think the magic, some some of the magic was a little bit too far-fetched. Yes. Only a little bit. And I'm I'm saying that as an adult. Um, I think kids would have absolutely loved it. 
this is definitely one of my favourite animation films of the year um, so far. I think there's yeah. been quite a few, but I think this is on top, definitely. Uh, I've not... I've choked up quite a few times during the course of this film. It was yeah. definitely uh, one of those sort of films that really had a huge emotional impact on you when you're sitting yeah. in there. You know, Dora the, Ex- Dora the Explorer, Dora, sorry, Dora and the Lost City of Gold was a really good movie as well. But I think this one was actually slightly better. I agree. Uh, I think this one had a lot more going for it in terms of having special magical powers, having uh, a really fun adventure, having a really good soundtrack in there as well. There were some dull moments with some of the soundtrack as well, but Coldplay featured in there as yeah. well at one point, and I thought that was really good. And they really incorporated that nicely into the violin as well. It was yeah. like a, a mashup mega mix. It it just worked really yeah. well, but it was just likable. It really was. Eddie Izzard as well was really, yeah, really good. His character was really funny. Eddie Izzard provided the humour for adults. His character was really unlikable, but at the same time, really, really likable and just fast-witted, funny. Yeah. It had the feel that actually, I think the script in this film was brilliant, but I think some of this was ad-lib. I think some of this was improvised because it, unless it, the script was so good and the acting or the voice uh, acting was so good because it just felt so natural. It just really flowed and just felt really just great. Mm, I thought the character arc that uh, that Eddie Iddard's character went on actually was yeah. really quite good. I wasn't expecting that to happen actually no. in this film at all, um, which was actually... For a movie like this, you can predict sometimes where yeah, it's and going. It, yeah. And actually, I didn't quite predict where this was going sometimes. I really liked some of the um, sort of throw, throwbacks to Indiana Jones, to yep. E.T. Um, there were some throwbacks as well to some anime as well in there. Yep. And I, I, yeah, I really, really, really did enjoy this movie. Um I'm not sure what else we can talk about. Is there anything I mean, else you've got written down there? It, it gets some great scores on Rotten Tomatoes. 83% of the critics like it, but the audience score is what stands out. It gets a 95% audience yeah. rating, and I can't agree more. Honestly, I went into this expecting this to be a very average children's film. It's far from average. It's brilliant, and it's not only brilliant for kids. I would 100% recommend this for adults. Forget taking your kids. I mean, you should take your kids, but go if, if you're an adult, go and see Abominable before it comes uh, out of the cinema. And when it comes comes out on DVD or when it comes on Netflix or Amazon Prime, watch it. It is brilliant. Mm. One thing I will say, if you've watched the trailer for this movie, um, Go Your Own Way by Fleetwood Mac features very heavily in the trailer. Uh, It doesn't actually feature in the film. You might be slightly disappointed with that. Mm. But, uh, you know, Swings and Roundabouts, you get some other great stuff in there. You get some in there You do, exactly. And you get some nice violin music. So, David, Abominable, is it worth it? Yes, look, this is one of my favourite animation films of the year. Not only is it worth taking your children, if you do have children, the children will love it. If you're an adult, go and see Abominable. Um, DreamWorks have done a fantastic job by the same people who brought us How to Train Your Dragon. It's emotional, it's funny, it's relevant. Um, I, I loved it. Yeah, I I think this film is definitely worth seeing in the cinema as well. I'm a little bit confused with the uh, certification for for this movie. In the UK, it got a U, but in the US, it got a PG. Uh, U is obviously universal, but PG has obviously Parental mild guidance. Yeah, exactly. I am a little bit confused with that because you the US is usually a little bit more lenient than mm. the UK. Uh, so obviously, something the British Board of Film. Uh, certification have it's uh, normally the other way around. Yeah, yeah. I can't. I mean, for me, it's a you. It's 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 a it's a children's th- film that's also brilliant for adults. I can't see why it'd be a PG in the states. Yeah, me neither. Bizarre, but certainly worth it. But Craig, for you, abominable. Is it worth it? Yes, I, I've just said that already. Oh, have you? <laughs> yeah, you've already answered the question. <laughs> blimey. Did. So not it's it's worth it three times. That's how <laughs> worth this film is. Um, it's brilliant. Go and see it. And that was our review of 
Abominable. Indeed. Can, can you not say it? No, I can. Go on then. Abominable. Okay, you can. Cool. I just thought I would leave a dramatic pause for you to come in and say uh, that is abominable is worth it. I think we've made it clear. Abominable is worth it. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to week 38 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. Coming up on week 39, we have Official Secrets, Sean the Sheep, Farmageddon, <laughs> Maleficent. Can't. <laughs> you can't wait for that I one, can't, can you? I, well, it's not, I can't wait for it. I can't believe the name they've gone for there. It's outrageous. I think it's going to be quite good, but you never we know. We shall see. Yeah. Uh, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, Zombieland, Double Tap, and the Peanut Butter Falcon one that I, I'm actually really looking really forward to. Really looking that. forward to potential uh, Oscar film. Oh, yeah. In a number of different categories mm. um, uh, so that's going to be week 39 uh, we do need to do a bit of a shout out now to James uh, James is one of our sponsors on uh, the uh, Patreon account uh, James has asked us to mention the National Animal Animal I'll say that again. The National Animal Welfare Trust, uh, and they have a certain number of events coming up uh, that he wanted me to mention. And uh, there's a petting session coming up uh, on the 9th of September. Uh, you've got barn sale and afternoon teas, which actually sounds delicious. Uh, that's on the 19th of October to the 20th of October. Uh, and there's uh, various other things coming up. Uh, Harry Potter Halloween event. Ooh, Is this that. in Watford? Uh, these are in Hertfordshire, in Watford, uh, yeah. in various other places as well. Uh, if you want to know, know more about them you can go to nawt.org.uk and you'll be able to find the events page on there uh, james thank you very much for being a patron mm. supporter we do appreciate it and that you were going to say something then, yeah sorry. i've actually visited the national animal welfare trust in watford have you and it's fantastic um the work they do is brilliant so well worth a shout out and it's really worth checking out um yeah brilliant a brilliant charity that does amazing work for wonderful animals uh, if you would like to become a Patreon supporter just like James and get a shout out on the show, uh, all you need to do is head on over to our Patreon account. Uh, the link will be in the description of your podcast, uh, wherever you get your podcast from. Click on that and you'll see a, well, there's only one tier on it at the minute. Uh, we, we've sort of launched it, but we haven't launched yeah. it. I think in, in the upcoming weeks, we've got a lot of specials and a lot of uh, amazing things in the lineup, but we are going to talk a bit more about our Patreon account, how you become a Patreon, what that means and how that will help us and help you the listener and us <laughs> and us as well and the podcast it's all about making the podcast better taking the podcast to the next level for you the wonderful listener exactly uh, so yeah thank you very much for listening uh, if you do want to get in contact with us there are various methods of doing so the email address David are you good with that one my mail is worth it at is it worth it podcast.com. That's my mail is worth it at is it worth it podcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at film is worth it. If you're an archaic dinosaur like me, why not just put is it worth it the film review podcast into Facebook and give us a like and follow on there? Or if you are someone who loves Instagram, you can follow us on there at is it worth it podcast. Mm. And that's pretty much all the places you can find us in terms of communicating on social media. And also, please do jump on to to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review and a obviously wonderful feedback. We do really appreciate that. And we are moving up in the Apple Podcast charts and that is because we're getting these good reviews and these good bits of feedback. So a big shout out and a 
big thank you to the people who've done that. You know who you are. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from doing that, last week we made it into the number 13 slot mm. of the film review podcast in the UK. That's yeah. actually a really, really good achievement, yeah. I think. So well done to... to to the, the whole team really because without you guys yeah. uh, we wouldn't actually be able to do that so so Callum Alex Shivani Toby Craig uh, Floss Mark Ranji yeah. uh, me you <laughs> thank you yeah. Yeah. me you uh, and everyone else James as well Patreon supporter yeah. uh, you know everyone and a thoroughly decent bloke yeah uh, hopefully I haven't missed anybody else off on that yeah well, you might have to buy them a pint if you have. Oh, no, I'm pretty sure that's everyone. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And what it is. a great team it is. Yeah, thank you guys. And what an action-packed show we've got coming up next week. It was only three films this week, but we've got a lot of films coming up next week. So really, really excited for that. Yeah. Oh, well, that's a good. Are show. we going to mention a little bit else about what we what we've got coming up, or should we save that for another week? What else have we got coming up, David? Well, we've got the Road to the Oscars. Oh yeah, um, episode two. Episode two that will be coming out at the end of October, early November. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be focusing on four categories: best actor, best actress, best supporting actor, and best supporting actress. We're going to be looking at those four categories. We've already highlighted in episode one um, ten or eleven films that we thought would be in running for a best picture nomination. We're now going to focus on the acting side of things for example Joaquin Phoenix in Best Actor Renee Zellweger Best Actress and I did read this week that apparently um, Joe Pesci gives a sensational performance in The Irishman that's got brilliant reviews uh, and Joe Pesci might be a real big shout in the Best Supporting Actor category so if you'd like to know more about the Oscars and those categories do check out our special which will be out in the next couple of weeks uh, we'll also be doing Cinema at Home uh, we'll be recording that next week and hopefully getting that out to you next week as well and there'll be a number of uh, reviews of original content as well as uh, us discussing films that are on the different streaming services such Fabulous as Ranjit with Riv Ranji, of course who <laughs> is the presenter of that show and we are just special guests sitting mm. in the uh, guest seats which mm. is actually quite nice for a change. Uh, yeah uh, so yeah we'll be looking at those on Netflix Amazon and various other sources uh, as they come. salad sauces dressings yes <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, that's. I the had end a of the kebab show. last night oh, with great. all the salad and all the sauce. For a man who's on a diet. Oh, oh no! I've just blown it. I didn't have a kebab last night. It's not true. Lies and slander. It had salad. I mean, does that make it healthy? Oh, my work colleagues listen to this; they'll know that I've lied about my diet. Anyway, thank you for listening <laughs> to week thirty-seven of Is It Worth It? The thirty-seven. It is thirty-seven. No, it was thirty-eight. Thank you for listening to week 38 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. Tussie bye. Good boo.